Chapter twenty four of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee, Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part three, by Francois Rene de Chateaubriand. Chapter twenty four. London, April to September. 1822 revised in december 1846 defect of my character my connection with monsieur de boff on the subject of the essai sur les révolutions had never been entirely broken off and it was important to me to renew it as soon as possible on my return to london in order to maintain myself but what had been the cause of my last misfortune my obstinacy in keeping silence in order to understand this some further knowledge of my character is necessary throughout my whole life i have never been able to conquer that spirit of reserve and inward solitude which prevents me from talking of what touches me most nearly none could truly affirm of me that they have heard me relate what most people relate in a moment of sorrow pleasure or vanity a name a confession of any importance never or very rarely falls from my lips I never entertain casual acquaintances with my interests, my designs, my labours, my ideas, my attachments, my joys and my griefs, feeling convinced of the profound ennui we cause in others when we speak of ourselves. Although sincere and truthful, I am wanting in openness of heart. My soul has a constant tendency to shrink within itself. I stop in the middle of saying a thing, and these memoirs are the only faithful expression of my inward life. If I attempt to begin a narrative, the idea of its length suddenly strikes me with affright, and after I have spoken a few words, the sound of my own voice becomes unbearable to me, and I am silent. As I have faith in nothing except religion, I mistrust everything. Malice and a disposition to taunts are the two characteristics of the French mind, mockery and calumny the certain result of any confidence. But what have I gained by my reserved nature? Because I have been impenetrable, I have become to others a sort of imaginary being, bearing not the most distant resemblance to my real self. Even my friends are deceived in me, while they think they are making me better known, and adorning me with the illusions of their attachment. All the mediocrities of antechambers, offices, newspapers, and coffee-houses have supposed me to have ambition, and I have none, cold and dry in ordinary furs. I have nothing of the enthusiast or sentimentalist about me. My clear and rapid perception quickly sees through a fact or a man, and despoils them of all importance. My imagination, far from carrying me away with it, or idealising applicable truths, swallows down the greatest events, baffles myself. The little and ridiculous side of things strikes me at first view. In my eyes great things or great geniuses scarcely exist polite laudatory and admiring in manner towards the commonplaces which announce themselves as superior intelligences my hidden contempt smiles and puts masks a la caillot on all these incense-breathing countenances in politics the warmth of my opinions has never exceeded the length of my speech or of my pamphlet in my inward and theoretical existence i am a man of dreams in my outward and practical existence a man of realities adventurous yet calm and cool impassioned yet methodical there has never existed a being at once so chimerical and so positive 
so ardent and so cold a strange androgynous formed from the different qualities of my father and my mother the descriptions which have been given of me principally owe their utter want of resemblance to my chariness of words the multitude are too careless too inattentive to give itself time unless previously warned to know people as they are when i attempted to correct some of these false judgments in my professors i was not believed and at length as i was very indifferent on the matter i did not urge it and as you will has always freed me from the tiresome labour of convincing any one or seeking to establish a truth i return to my inward tribunal like a hare to its form and there give myself up to the contemplation of a moving leaf or a bending blade of grass i make no virtue of my circumspection invisible as it is involuntary if it is not a duplicity it has the appearance of one it is not in harmony with natures more happy more amiable more easy more naive more open and communicative than mine it has often done me injury in the minds of others and in matters of business because i never could endure explanations reconciliations and arrangements effected by protestations and clearings up lamentations and tears talk and reproaches details and apologies in the case of the family my obstinate silence with regard to myself was extremely injurious to me twenty times had charlotte's mother made inquiries respecting my relations and thus afforded me an opportunity to speak openly but not foreseeing the consequences of my silence i contented myself as usual with vague and brief replies had i not been under the influence of this odious perversity of mind any misunderstanding would have been impossible i should not have exposed myself to the imputation of having sought to abuse such generous hospitality the truth spoken at the decisive moment did not excuse me i had not the less been the cause of a real evil i returned to my work in the midst of my vexation and of my just self-reproach i even took a liking to my labour for the idea had occurred to me that by acquiring renown i should give the family less cause to repent the interest they had shown in me charlotte whom i thus sought to reconcile to me through fame presided over my studies her image was seated before me when i wrote when i raised my eyes from my paper i fixed them on the adored image as if its original had really been there the inhabitants of ceylon saw the sun rise one morning in unusual splendour its globe parted and a brilliant creature came forth who said to them i come to reign over you charlotte coming forth from a ray of light reign over me but let us quit these recollections they grow old and fade away like hopes the course of my life is about to change to flow into other valleys beneath other skies first love of my youth thou vanishest with all thy charms true i have but now seen charlotte again but after how many years of separation sweet light of the past pale rosy twilight which tinges the hem of night's robe long after the sun has set End of chapter twenty four